gentlemen, we have a special treat for you today. We have the one, the only. Welcome to the State Lines Network. Hey, friends. Welcome to the Boldly Going Podcast. Uh, creative, brilliant, inspirational people of the universe on planet Earth. I'm your host, Jason Sowell. Uh, thank you for joining us once again, uh, listening to a new episode of the podcast. Thank you for listening to the past um, uh, three episodes, three and a half, uh, if you include episode zero, kind of giving the intro, talking about what the Boldly Going podcast is all about. Um, thank you so much. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for uh, just uh, the feedback that we're getting. Really appreciate it. I'm very, very excited about the episodes that we're doing, the interviews, conversations we're, happen- uh, we're having, uh, just some great, great stuff, uh, really inspirational to me. I hope it's inspirational to you as well. It's, uh, these, these conversations are people that I love, people that I've met along my journey in life that have inspired me, uh, people that aren't even, I don't even uh, know their whole story or, or really uh, how they've inspired me completely until I sit down and converse with them and I, I learn their story and things that they say really uh, impact me in a great way. So I've been growing a lot. I've been learning a lot from these uh, great people. I'm excited about the ones uh, coming up that we've already recorded that uh, we'll be releasing over the next several weeks and months. So uh, thanks for hanging in there with us and, uh, and being a part of it. Today, really excited about the uh, the interview uh, today, the guest we have on the podcast, my buddy Ken Whiting. Ken Whiting, uh, years ago, eight, eight years ago, helped us launch my organization, Current Initiatives, based here in Tampa, Florida. And uh, he actually lives in L.A. now, and I was recently in L.A., got to spend the day with him and interviewed him for the podcast, just hanging out in my hotel room for uh, a couple hours talking, and man, what an incredible conversation! Uh, really, really brilliant, really smart. Um, I had to keep stopping him and writing writing notes down because I wanted to remember what he said. I take notes in a notebook while uh, these interviews are happening, and so I had to keep stopping him several times and like, wait, say that again. Let me let me uh, write that down. I want, I don't want to forget that. Uh, Ken is just a, a great individual uh, trying to make a difference in L.A. Uh, impact in a small way. He's really passionate about homeless communities, uh, specifically homeless kids, which if you don't know anything about homelessness, uh, uh, the greatest population of people that are homeless are people under the age of 21. So teenagers and, uh, and kids that are in families. And uh, it's pretty tragic. Uh, homelessness is a big issue in our country. Uh, all kinds of perspectives on it. Ken's uh, trying to do uh, what he can to impact and change the the mentality, change the culture, uh, and just find new creative ways to help uh, people that are homeless and uh, give them dignity and hope, and uh, and just give them some humanity uh, that we tend to, as other human beings that are not homeless, tend to take away from them and how we treat them. So he's doing an incredible job. Uh, Really cool stuff. He and uh, he and his friend DJ, who was unfortunately not able to be on the podcast, uh, but uh, man, interview is great. I'm excited for you to hear about it. So I'm going to jump into it in just a second, real quick before we do that. Uh, let me remind you: this podcast is a part of the State Lines Podcast Network. State Lines is fantastic. If you've never uh, checked it out, please do. Please go to the website state-lines.com. Uh, there are several podcasts on there. People doing incredible podcasts. Please go check them out. Uh, They're fun. If you like pop culture, if you like uh, more serious things, if you like sports, there's pretty much something on that site for you to check out. There's a podcast you can listen to. There's an article you can read. Uh, So please go check that out. Check them out. And again, I'd encourage you to uh, check out my organization, Current Initiatives. 
the website is engagecurrent.org. Uh, we do some cool stuff we'd love you to be involved with uh, that our today's guest, Ken Whiting, helped us uh, get started years ago. And then also check out uh, another website that I have called By The Way Clothing. It's bythewayclothing.com. Some fun stuff. If you live in the Tampa Bay area, we've got a great shirt uh, to support the, the, the Bay Area. If you love charity, there's a great shirt there that uh, shows your uh, support for charity. And we'll just love for you to check it out. So again, check out State Lines. Get, a, get involved in the network. Uh, check out those podcasts. And again, thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for joining us. I'm so excited for you to hear Ken Whiting. So here we go. Let's get into it. Is there even such a thing as craft root beer? Does that exist? Yeah, hell yeah, there is. Mm. There's also Tell me about cra- it. there's also a craft beer called not your father's root beer. Yeah, I've had it. It tastes just like root beer. Yeah, but it'll get you drunk. <laughs> I mean, you'll need a few of them, but yeah. <laughs> All right, we're recording. Cool. Uh, so we just going we just, uh, bold. Hurt you. Boldly I heard you talking after. about your craft. I just, uh, I just, I just got on the Instagrams and said, mm. I took a picture while you were in the bathroom. Oh, good. Of, of a microphone and a silver chair. I said, about to be on a podcast with a silver chair. JK, it's my boy J Sal. <laughs> Hashtag going boldly. Oh, nice. I'll show you like the picture. It. I won't I like be able it. to show the audience. Mm. That's all right. We'll send them to your Insta, your Insta feeds. Uh, that's 3D Alchemist, uh, please. 3D Alchemist. Subscribe. The 3D Alchemist. Subscribe yeah. to my Instagrams. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, welcome everybody to the uh, Boldly Going Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Sowell, uh, here with, as we say, at Boldly Going, creative, brilliant, inspirational people of the universe on planet Earth. Here with my boy, Pimp and Ken. I just offended half the audience right there with yeah. that. Ken Whiting. No, Pimp uh, and Ken. Pimp and Ken. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we don't want to. We don't want to screw them too much right now. We want to make sure they know who they're talking. Oh man, Ken Ken Whiting. We are on the uh, Ken Whiting on the podcast today. Thanks for thanks for being on the podcast. Bro, I'm in, I'm in LA, of course. Yeah. Uh, I'm, so I'm in LA, which is where you live, Los Angeles, the the city of angels, mm-hmm. as uh, our good friend uh, Nick Cage. <laughs> uh, you know, introduced us to the city of angels. Right. And poor, poor Nick Cage. <laughs> what do you mean, poor Nick Cage? Nick Cage. There's nothing poor about Nick Cage. There's nothing poor about Nick, Nick Cage. Nick Cage is on point. Um. So. You are. So you live here in L.A. I'm here. Originally, I, I am an Angelino now. Okay. How long you been here? Six years. The beginning of this past. Man, month. has it been that long? Dude, January marks six years. Six years. Oh my gosh. Um. That's that's amazing. So how did you uh, how did you end up out here? Because let's give everyone the setting. You originally 
grew up in Tampa. Grew up up north. Moved oh. to Tampa. Well, moved to St. Pete when I was young. Okay. Uh, pretty much spent my young days in St. Pete. A little bit on the west coast of Florida over in Stewart. And then uh, went, to, went to college in Tampa. Lived up there for a little bit. And then got my ass out here. <clears throat> We're eating some snacks, by the way, too. Yeah. So. I'm trying to get all the roasted almonds out of the back of my throat. If you hear the uh, <clears throat> crackles. So, um, okay, so I, there's a lot about uh, your story as we've been talking. They're fascinating. We're just hanging out in my hotel room. Been hanging out all day today around LA. Yeah. You went on a venture with, an adventure with me, too. <laughs> Dude, it's been uh, great because I haven't seen you. Like, we haven't, like, I, we saw each other once in Tampa a couple years back. Right. And then, other than that, like you and I haven't hung out much since I moved out here. Yeah, and you've come no. out here a few times, and I've been busy. So I'm like, I'm like, I was like, when you told me, like, all right, let's get together Wednesday, I was like, I'm gonna keep that whole day free for him. If he's, if he gives me that day, I'm gonna get as much Jason time as I can. Well, you did, and you got, yeah, you got a look into my shopping obsession. Yep. And <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll keep the beauty parlor parlor out of this. <laughs> uh, so, you moved out here six years ago. You and a guy named DJ. Deej the Squeege is what it's called. Deej the Squeege moved out about six months after me, but yeah. Oh, did, okay. I thought you guys moved out together. No, I did not he, realize it was separate. Okay. Yeah, he was, uh, he was, he stayed down in Florida because he had a decent job working for a nonprofit and he wanted to milk it for a little bit longer. <clears throat> okay. So, he, uh, so Deej, uh, we tried to get him on the podcast as well, but he actually, he has a real job. Yeah. So. He's not a freelancer. He doesn't get to just call his days. <laughs> right, right. So, um. What did you move out here for? Tell me that story. Well, yeah, I was uh, I was doing ministry in Tampa. Um, sorry, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were holding the earphones. Up. Um, yeah, and then uh, I came out here to LA, um, <clears throat> April of what would have been two thousand nine. Does that sound right? Is that when we came out here? Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it was 2009. April of so, 2009. Listen, by the way, let me pause for just a second. Um, speaking of LA in April of 2009, on another podcast, a friend of mine, Jeremy Martin, who will also be on the podcast, uh, or has been on the podcast, on my podcast, uh, he he has a podcast in in, uh, in Las Vegas called the Downtown Faith Discussion. Great, great podcast. He's starting a church there in downtown. Uh, so when I was out there, he uh, he interviewed me on his podcast. And this story about uh, L.A. in 2009 Well, then I'll keep, I'll keep it out. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Tell okay. the story. But uh, it's an amazing story because every time uh, 2009 L.A. comes up, I always tell the story about the hostel that we stayed in. Dude, yes. And the, the wonderful... Uh, Belgian couple that was in the room with us to start with <laughs> before you got there was just me and the two of them yeah. and the wonderful couple that they were probably thought I I envisioned that somewhere in the world there's this Belgian couple telling a story about a weird American that stayed in the hotel hostel with them <laughs> that had no idea how to function in a hostel <laughs> uh, and I told him a little about when you came in because then you and I were there for right, like another just, full day without anybody. Yes, yes. So 2009, we came out here to LA. Yeah, we uh, we came out here for a couple different things. The organization um, had a few, if you will, missions for that week, 
and um, uh, I was very invested in this organization as a firm believer in everything that they were trying to educate Americans on, Um, Mm -hmm. and that was one of their first domestic trips, so I was really excited about what they wanted to do, and I knew some of the stuff in LA that I wanted to see, and it was just, it was just burning to me, man, I just wanted to get out here, so... I came out here and I had been doing, uh, I'd been working with street kids in Florida for about four or five years at that point. All my own individual time, I was just going down there, uh, making music with them, just bringing down uh, disposable cameras and hanging out with them. And um, I got to know these kids in St. Pete, Florida, but then coming out to LA, uh, I saw the hub. It was, you know, it was the. Uh, mecca, if you will, of street kids. Uh, mm. It's a really great place for them to come out here and build a community. So, <clears throat> I uh, it just stayed in my heart when I got back to Tampa, graduated college, and uh, started planning to come out here and do some stuff. Um, I brought a nonprofit out here doing that and saw some crazy stuff. Lived mm-hmm. uh, lived amongst them for a little bit and really got to feel out what. Um, what their lives were like, and yeah. uh, and it shook up everything I knew. Um, I was looking at uh, working at a church in Lancaster, um, and that didn't go well. No, well, it was it was it was interesting. It was it was an experience to show me like where I was good and where I wasn't, and um, from there, I. I realized that the nonprofit wasn't what I wanted to be doing, and I wanted to go back to just working with these kids. Okay. Um, getting on the ground level and, and learning more about their lives. Um, so I turned it into, let me bring you resources. Socks, underwear, mm-hmm. toilet paper, toothbrush, toothpaste, some food, but most of the food they could get from the resources here in L.A. L.A.'s got, <clears throat> believe it or not, a really great uh, network of, of food that gets delivered to the streets um, yeah. through a few really great organizations, but also just some social service programs that already existed. So they know how to find their food. It's the other stuff that the other necessities that we all take for granted. Yeah. Um, amongst that, I started doing more photography again, which had been my, my goal my whole life and uh, was playing some music, kind of got bored with all of it and didn't know what I was doing. Um, Stumbled onto a film set, stumbled my way up some positions that day, and I saw the music and film and photography all merged in one, mm-hmm. and I was like, whoa, I need this. Interesting. Um, and it became, like, legitimately a drug that I needed. Uh, <clears throat> all the jobs I'd done my whole life always felt as though they were building up to that. Yeah. As though somehow that was what I needed to be doing. Hmm. Um. So, uh, what was it about L.A.? What drew you to L.A.? What made you go, I gotta live here? Or, or when you came in 2009 and you experienced L.A. for a little bit, what was it about L.A. that went, I, this is where I gotta be? Um, Los Angeles is, is, is weird, man. It's, it's, a, it's a place of so much creativity so much individualism but at the same time 
a conceit that you can't find in many other places. Um, mm. Something that is so uh, focused in individual people's lives that they don't realize how they're stepping on others. And mm. for some reason, I was drawn to being the, the person that stopped people from stepping on others. Like there was this idea of like, what, what if I could just, saying? what if I could just push them back a little bit? What if I could just play with the boundaries? Mm. Um, and I don't think I knew how to voice that at the time. At the time, it was, oh, there's so many broken people. Even the ones that aren't broken are like even the ones that don't look broken are broken. Um, and I just no good. No, I, no, no. So say that again. John to being the person to to stop other people. Say that again. To stop. Yeah, I was I was drawn to stopping them to stopping people from stepping all over other people. Interesting. Stop being the person to stop others from stepping on other people. Yeah. That's that's fascinating. That's such a fascinating way of thinking about. Because you're right. And I don't think that just exists in LA. I think that ha- that exists everywhere. But it happens everywhere. You're right. LA is kind of known for that. Like I'm, you know, I'm stepping on that person right. to advance to the next thing for yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, like there's always that. Uh, there's this there's imagery of of um, all across Los Angeles, doors being slammed on people's faces, being kicked out onto the street, being kicked out onto Sunset Boulevard. You know, this idea of like if you're a band that can't hack it, you're thrown out. Like if you, it's just there's so much there's there's these people trying to create stuff. And they're constantly being told you're not good enough. And so so inside they keep getting hungrier and hungrier for it Mm -hmm. until they're so hungry that they're ignorant to other people around them. They're Mm -hmm. they're oblivious. Yeah. And it's and it's it's I don't think it's I don't think it's a choice to be oblivious. So that's why I say ignorant. I think that they choose to be so focused on themselves that they don't even know that they're hurting others. Yeah. One of the worst things in LA, traffic, right? We all complain about traffic. Right. Uh, you live in Tampa, which is apparently super high as far as commuter traffic. You guys have terrible commuter traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in LA, you will spend an hour going four exits sometimes. Yeah. People can't understand that. Mm -hmm. And the reason is someone gets on the interstate and they need to get over four lanes because they think they need to be in the fast lane. They're right. going to get off in two exits. Right. So they've just cut across all this traffic, slowing things down, potentially causing wrecks. Right. Only to get back off right away. Right. If, if you know you're getting off in two exits, why the hell do you go all the way over? Stay in that lane. Right. Right. But yeah. I deserve to go fast. Yeah. I deserve to be in the fast lane where everyone else gets to speed a little bit. Right. How does that make sense? But it's that mentality of like, oh, I have to be as important. I have to be as important. I have to look as important as I think I am. So that <laughs> means that I get to do this. I get to do that. Yeah. Um, Entitlement. Yeah, totally. That's such. All right, so let me say this again because that's such a. I'm like, I'm, my brain is just stuck on that statement, which is a beautiful statement. Being the person that stops people from stepping on other people. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Like that's so simple as well because especially you love working with street kids and you very passionate about homeless people. Uh, and I mean, even so, that's a very medical metaphorical way of. Like, hey, take a step back and think about what you're doing. Don't step on other people. Right. For your own, um, but also very non-metaphysical. Like, it's very physical. Like, literally homeless people get right. just stepped over or stepped on to yeah. move. Like, I'm going about my day. I'm stepping over you or stepping on you to get on with the rest of my day. When I was just talking to the, talking with you about this this morning, 
anytime a tourist comes to LA, first one of the first things they're going to do, or it's at least on the list, mm-hmm. is to go to Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, of and course. they're going to walk down and they're going to look at the stars and they're going to see, you know, wax museums and hard rock and all that stuff, the Chinese theater, everything, right? That they're there to look for. Right. So their eyes are up. They're constantly looking up. And then they look down mm. for the stars. And the second they look down for the stars, they've just been walking past homeless people with, I'm telling you, like, their feet look frostbitten, dude, because these people haven't had clean shoes for, and they haven't been able to take care of themselves. And there's a shock. And if you go to the boulevard, you want to people watch, go to the boulevard and watch a tourist walk by a homeless person because they're going to be in awe of the experience of being on the boulevard but also they're going to be sho- they're going to be shocked without they don't know how to ex- show the disgust. They're disgusted by these people on the street, but they're so excited to be in the place that they're at. It'd be like if every skid row in every city was like the coolest place to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Bro, you got you got real deep real fast right out of the gate. I'm sorry. And I love it. I'm no, sorry. it's good. I love it. It's so good. I love it. But I love what you just said and I don't think this is not even intentional, but it fits so well that they're they're constantly looking up. Mhm. But then they look down for the stars. Right. Because yeah. the Walk of yeah. Fame, yeah. the Walk of Fame on Hollywood Boulevard, all the stars, you know, the actor stars are right. like, the, you know, got my star on the Walk of Fame. Uh, man, amazing, just metaphorical about looking yeah. down for the stars. How many stars are laying there, like actual people laying there that are stars? Like, we're, there's something bright in them. You know why most of them are out here is they came out here to live this dream. Yeah. Dude, this dream Man, is this dream so will amazing. Eat you alive. Uh, and these, these these are chewed up pieces of meat, you know? You should go on a speaking tour just talking about just titled <laughs> Looking Down, looking down the for the Stars. That's I love it. I looking love down it. for the stars. Man, that's so good. Yeah. I'm stealing it. Um, do it. Wow. Uh, okay, so you moved to LA. You got real passionate about being like you saw the stepping on people, the all of that of LA. Yeah. You got real passion about that. But you already had you already had a real passion for like homeless and for the underdog, kids. dude. My whole my whole life's been the fight for the underdog. Mm. Um, when I was in high school, when I first uh, came to faith, the first thing I thought of was like all the dudes that I was around musically who um, they were just around a broken a broken scene. They were constantly looking for what fed them. Um, uh, what, how can I say that? They they needed anything and they tried everything. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and so when I first came to Faith, I was like, that's, that's what I gotta, I gotta go back to my skate community and show these dudes like, Jesus is real, you know? And they mm-hmm. had no desire for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And right. like, so it was like pretty quick that I was shut up there and shunned. And then, you know, I had to, I had to de- redefine who I was because I was losing my my group of people like yeah. I was so fired up about talking about this thing that I was losing friends left and right and uh, and I didn't think anything of it I'm young I'm like impressionable and <laughs> no I'm trying to help you dude like right, you're missing right. it you know and they're like no this this is what I need this is skating four hours a day and just being dead at the end of the day and then getting high like that's what I need and um, so street kids were some of the few that like helped me understand like it wasn't about telling them about Jesus it was about hanging out with them all of a sudden they were becoming my friends too yeah um, and then at the time I was still doing a lot of serving at like a, a, a food shelter and so I got to see a lot of them come through there and um, unfortunately there's a lot of uh, a lot of abuse that goes on from uh, older 
homeless community towards the young community. Mm. Um, a lot of sexual abuse. Okay. Uh, that's pretty rough. And uh, I remember that was kind of my first exposure to it was seeing it at the food kitchen. And like, oh, wow. Like, these kids eat and then they get the hell out of here. Whereas these other dudes, they kind of sit around and they wait. And almost, almost predators, you know? And it's like, I, wow. I was just like, oh, man, I'm always going to be here for them. I'm always going to look out for them. So yeah. that was where I guess I started looking out for people. Yeah. But when I came out to LA, I was looking out for the street kids. I wasn't realizing that I eventually started looking out for everybody. I mm-hmm. started I started realizing like, you know, I'm I'm here to do something. I don't know what I don't know what my something is right now, but yeah. I'm just here to not watch other people be dicks. Like right. they're just they're being assholes because they aren't thinking about their repercu- the repercussions of their actions. Right. You know? Um so, uh, so you said something earlier. We were talking about this earlier, and when you said, you know, I need to, I need to give these people Jesus or these friends of mine, I got to tell them about Jesus. And we were talking earlier about the phrase about, being, about being the phrase, Jesus, being to yeah, like with such a weird Christian statement. And like, I know what it means, and we kind of know what it means. Right. But if you really think about when someone says, "You just, just be Jesus to those people." What in the world does that mean? Like yeah. to, to in just normal conversation, what does that mean? Eh, I love your statement. Your response was just hanging out in dugouts, man. Being in their dugout, just hanging out in the dugout. I love it. Just hanging out in the dugout. Yeah. Um, I hated baseball. <laughs> I played it at, in little league, uh-huh. and I was terrible at it. Yeah, I was a bat boy, and then. Um, uh, this was before I wore glasses, and I wanted to be the pitcher, uh, but I could not, for the life of me, <laughs> throw the ball to the proper place. Dude, you were just you had wild things syndrome. I, <laughs> you were just I, out there Charlie Sheen in it. <laughs> exactly, I was Charlie Sheen it. But when you said that, hanging out in dugouts, everyone knows what it means to be hanging out in the dugout. Like yeah. the person you might not be the starter. If anyone's ever played sports, you know the. The guy sitting on the dugout, I played basketball in high school, and uh, I, I say I play, I was on the team. Yeah. Uh, but the guy sitting on the bench, not the starter, the guy sitting on the bench, that guy in some ways, I mean, he's just as important as everyone else, because the guy sitting on the bench or the guy sitting in the dugout is there to support the other ones out in the game. Yeah. But I mean, in baseball growing up, uh, you've got a few things. You've got, you've got, you know, uh, hey, better, 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 hey, right, better, better, better. <laughs> You've got these things that you do to, to yeah. get it going a little bit. Yeah. And sometimes you're you're antagonizing the pitcher when your boy's up in the in the box, mm-hmm. and you you know like ultimately when they come out when they come back from that strikeout, you're the first one to go shake it off, right? Or oh, when man. they're getting out there, you, you slap their ass a little bit and say, go get them. You know, it's. You are literally the encouragement uh, that we all need in life. Man, I'm so glad. This is why I had you on the podcast. You're so brilliant. Nah, dude, I'm just I'm just hanging out. No, you're just hanging out in those dugouts, man. I get it. <laughs> hanging I out in the dugout. <laughs> no, I love it. Seriously, man. You're, like, it's so brilliant. But I think that comes from you took a you took a bold step. Yeah. Like you left well, everything in Tampa, which we were talking about earlier as well. Yeah. That you. You could have been. You could have done very well. In I, could have, I could have had a pretty safe life down there. Yeah, but wasn't exactly. fucking safe. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, why? Why would we want to be safe? Mm. I can tell you. 
I so I was lots working, of people give you lots of answers to why would you want I, to be safe. I was working in HR, and man, I wish someone from that company heard this. But <laughs> uh, I was working in HR, and I got to a point where I was so depressed that if I didn't go straight to the bar and put down three beers, I was going home to knock myself out some other some other way. I was wow. I was struggling, and um, I say three beers because I knew I was going to go home and get some more whiskey after that. So, uh, wow. I was, I was, I was having a rough go at it and I would, you know, on my weekends I was taking care of these kids and, you know, sometimes I feel a little, a little bit better cause I was able to feed them at the end of the day or something. So I had an okay job where I was able to pay for what I wanted to do for them, the mm-hmm. foods and the source the resources that I wanted to bring to them. But man, did I hate this job and I was trying to work freelance around it and do camera work on film sets around it and I was just struggling. And then one day it occurred to me, I'm holding all this anger about this job yeah. when I don't need to like why am I doing this and so mm-hmm. I just started letting my work suffer like and I realized oh man I was taking so much pride in my work that it was eating me alive from the inside so I wow. let it suffer and I let it suffer and I let it suffer and one day they called me in on a Monday morning and said go home <laughs> and don't ever come back <laughs> I said okay this is the push I needed mm. this is me getting hurled from the plane to pull my parachute right so yeah. um so now I get to do freelance. I get to be a filmmaker. This is the life. And then that shit sucked, bro. <laughs> I didn't know how to make money. I was I was getting offered these day rates that just nobody else was being offered because it's these low, low jobs. Yeah. But I was like, I need the experience. So any cash is better than no cash. And I was taking them. And then I was realizing how much more I needed to learn and, and where to start. And there's no there's no mentorship out here in this field. You just got to go after it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm hungry. I'm ready for it. I'll go after it. Until... How do I repair my car? Well, I can't, so I'll sell it, and I'll bike everywhere. How do I bike everywhere in L.A.? Well, figure it out. Keeps me in decent shape enough to eat pizza whenever the hell I want. <laughs> um, Isn't know, that the goal? Ah, oh, dude, that's it. Stay in shape enough to just, just eat enough pizza to eat whenever pizza you want. <laughs> um, dude, uh, you know, so I I remember just trying to understand, all right, I had some, some financial comfort. Not great, but enough. Right. Now I'm in this position where I couldn't have imagined living off this kind of income, but I, it, it was the challenge I needed to know there's nothing else I'd want to do. There's nothing else, man. You know, in the film mm-hmm. industry, we work 12 hours a day at least. That's like a standard. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm sitting there and I'm like, I remember four-hour shifts at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I saw myself slitting my throat oh, in the back somewhere. <laughs> just putting myself in the freezer so all my blood congealed in the freezer. <laughs> but then, but dude, now I'm working twelves like it's a like it's a cakewalk, you know? It's like yeah. just because I love what I do. And even when I'm getting talked down to yeah. and being mentally abused by those who I'm trying to stop from stepping on other people, you know, like yeah. I'm like, no, this is this is it, dude. Because I'm creating. And I'm finally creating with others. The thing I love about filmmaking is I get to create with others. Okay. It's such a collaborative process. Yeah. I always compare it to jazz music for people. Because mm. <clears throat> if you've ever been around horned instruments... Now you got me. Yeah, exactly. You know. I know. <laughs> I was saving this one for you. If, you got, <laughs> if you've ever been around horned instruments, you know the beauty of one person taking it and showing off what they can do. Right. And somebody responding back with right. what they can do. Right. And that's what film is, dude. I'm I'm standing there. I'm mostly, you know, my goal is to be a DP. I do DP work, but uh, it's what director, is a DP? director of photography, okay, uh, cinematographer. But I do a lot of gaffing, and I'm, you know, I'm cr- I'm crawling pretty quickly up the gaffing ladder. Nice. And uh, you know, I work with a DP who knows what he wants, 
but I provide that, sometimes I throw in that extra light as a gaffer, I'm a, you know, the lighting guy, I design most of the light setups and with the DP, okay. and, uh, you know, I might throw an extra light in there and say, what do you think of this, and I'll turn it off and let him make the decision, but watching, watching their eyes strike up and go, oh yeah, that wasn't something I was thinking about, you know, it's, it's literally call and response of jazz, it's, Give me that, give me that really rolly drum solo, so that I can go into something that's just belting out, you know, like yeah. it's this like, yeah. it just, it's magic, man. It's magic to just throw creativity back and forth. And I think, I think the cool part is, like, that's what I've been falling in love with, right? Mm-hmm. But what I'm now starting to understand, and this is how it relates to why I came out here. There's filmmakers who say, I'm a filmmaker. And I was just talking about this with another guy on set two weeks ago. And um, he said, you know, there's a lot of guys that think you should just go out there and experience life. Well, there's not a lot. There's, there's directors out there who say the best way to tell a film is to go experience life. Yeah. And, mm. uh, and I've been, like, looking at it and I've been thinking, you know, that should be said for all of us. But, dude, as we're trying to climb, we're hustling job to job to job. So we don't really ever have time in between. Mm-hmm. So the benefit of my skill set and my life right now has been that when I'm on my bike, and I bike somewhere, six miles, ten miles, fifteen miles on one day, I'm away from my home and away from my little community. Yeah. And I can see other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll go into parts of the valley that are predominantly Hispanic, and when I say predominantly, I mean over seventy percent. Okay. And I'll just sit there, and I'm not—I don't speak enough Spanish to understand it. Sometimes I can hear it and pick it up, but you know, I'll—I'll I'll sit there and I'll just watch these guys interact. And I'm sitting there enjoying life. It's like watching a Woody Allen film. <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening, but these people are cool. <laughs> you know? uh, oh, I love that you just compared that to a Woody Allen film. <laughs> but you know, I don't I mean, know like, what's going on, but these people are cool. <laughs> Bro, dude, that's what uh, that's, that's what I love about filmmaking is you're literally getting the opportunity to retell your human experience <clears throat> stories <clears throat> in a visual format. What okay. I loved about still photography when I was younger was capturing that one still and saying like look at what this one person's life looked like in this one moment yeah dude like I remember you know getting six, 360 kickflips over a 16 set stair like oh my god look at that one moment when the board was in the air and we got to see everything we got to see the way his body moved to get there mm. but then I got into film and I was like what do you mean I could tell the human experience not just that one second not just that one moment but a scene or, yeah or a dialogue yeah or an experience a traumatic experience, a humorous experience, something beautiful, something terrifying. I can capture all that in this moving image. Yeah. Dude, that's all I've ever wanted. And I didn't know. Just like all I've ever wanted Amazing. was to push these people back from stepping on others. Right. And I didn't know until I got to LA. Wow. Push them back. Look down at the stars. Looking down at the stars. I love that you picked that up because I didn't, I didn't pick it up when I said Man. Yeah. You're welcome. So, listen, when you get famous off of that, you just remember. Hanging out in the from. dugouts, looking down <laughs> at the stars. Bro, I would think we have, we have, we have a two-man motivational show right here on our hands, Dude, just from those three statements. We could be like Abbott and Costello of motivation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's hilarious. Yeah. Who's on first? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Got to first. We're in the dugout. <laughs> We're in the dugout. Oh, man. So, interesting. So, you're telling stories. You're wanting to tell stories. You want to be a filmmaker. That's your yeah. that's your thing. That's the goal. Um, man, that's a huge step. If, if anything, uh, I mean, L.A. 
is known, you know, people talk about L.A., it's the songs have been written, things have been titled The Boulevard of Broken Dreams, like that, like, classic, like, everyone comes to L.A. to be an actor, to, to work, you know, to be that thing, to do those things, um, and it's hard, and it, most people don't make it, yeah. you know, they don't get to their thing, but people still do it, and I'm fascinated by that. Like, with all the... Everything that everyone knows about L.A., it's the hardest business... Like, I'm going to be an actor. It's the hardest thing to get into or whatever. But people still do it. People still go after it. And I love it. Because it's bold. Yeah. That's boldness. That takes... That's like... As uh, Joel Davis, uh, who was on the first episode of the podcast, we we're, were talking about... We were talking about fear. And one of the things he said was... Uh, just, like, just punching fear in the throat. You know, like oh, I just yeah. want to punch fear in the throat sometimes. Yeah, like, you know, you got to. and like, and, but that's that's part of it, man. That's so that's amazing. So we were talking earlier. You, so you mentioned you had a faith. You were working. You were working for church, and you kind of grew up in church world. You have well, got got into it when in my early teens. Okay. All right. Yeah. So uh, faith became a very deep, real thing for you. Yeah. Um, and then you were telling me earlier. You had an experience that kind of wrecked your faith a little bit, and uh, you were really struggling. And there was something you started to tell, a story you started to tell me, and I wanted you to hold it, wait for the podcast, because I want to hear this. I want this to be on the podcast, because the thing you said is that you you intentionally stopped praying. Yeah. Talk about that. All right, dude. So <clears throat> I got to take you back, I guess, a couple steps. Um, I had a a rough childhood in the sense that my mom was working three jobs to feed me, and mm. uh, and it seemed like a lot of stuff didn't go her way when, when I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to grow up pretty quick. Uh, she got diagnosed with like hardcore fibromyalgia when I was like seven, and mm-hmm. then it was kind of like onsetting lupus stuff. Wow. So um, I had a lot to learn, um, and when she married my stepdad... I kind of got pushed pushed back a little bit mm-hmm. where, like, he was going to come in and take care of those responsibilities now. Yeah. But he wasn't great at it either. He had to learn it just like I had to learn it. Okay. But I already knew it, so I was like, you step back and let me take it. <laughs> but then I was like, no, I don't need to be taking Like, I don't need to spend my life taking care of my mom. So it really just kind of put me in a place where I always felt as though uh, nobody was looking out for my back. Nobody had my back, like, except for my mom. Yeah. You know? Um, and, uh... I've always kind of felt that. I think whatever your feelings are towards your parents, you're going to carry some of that towards any sort of deity or, or, mm, uh, yeah, or that, being, because, yeah. you know, like you've got, you know, however your father disciplined you, you're going to kind of apply that to how God would discipline you. Yeah, that's um, so true. Or however your mother comforted you. Yeah. You're kind of expect that kind of comfort from God. Yeah. So when I hit, when I, when, when everything went down out here, it started going down and I, it's too much. That's for another day. Yeah. But, uh, I just remember thinking like, God pulled me out here. Like, he showed me L.A. He opened my eyes. Yeah. And I was like, hell yeah, that's where I want to be. This is what, I, this is what I've been yearning for. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pause this part of the story. Remind me to jump back in where I'm at right now. Okay. But I told a, uh, a PA the other day on set. This was about three months ago. He was like, I just moved out here. And I was like, let me tell you something about L.A. If you're going to stay out here, I want you to answer me this question. If you were told... That a roller coaster had a fifty, you had a fifty fifty percent chance of living on a really really cool roller coaster, yeah. potentially the coolest roller coaster in the world. 
50-50 chance. Right. <laughs> Would you want to ride it? And he just looked at me and he goes, I don't know. I mean, I, I could die. <laughs> There's a 50% chance I'm going to die. Right. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I, I don't know if I can answer that. And I was like, well, this industry is going to help you answer that. Because at the end of the day, you're going to go, do I really want to be doing this? And if your answer isn't an immediate yes, you're not an adrenaline junkie looking for this industry. <laughs> That's the only person that would get oh, wow. on that roller coaster is an adrenaline junkie for that. Right? Yeah. I got to ride the I got to ride it. It's the best roller coaster in the world. I don't right. care if I die. I don't care. Yeah. I got to do it. Yeah. If you don't want to ride it, you're not going to get on it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't understand your analogy because I hate roller coasters. <laughs> well, you are you are <laughs> you are in the for sure part that's not moving to LA. No, um, no I mean if it, swimming with sharks, you know, like anything yeah, that is yeah. anything that is dangerous, <clears throat> right? Apply that and think about like yeah. If if it, you, when you do it, you know, you always have that thought of like, oh well, I could get hurt, yeah. but most likely I'm not going to. Yeah. Right. But what if it was a fifty fifty percent chance that you were going to get hurt? Would yeah. you still do it? Right. That's the test to know whether or not you really want to chase this thing. Yeah. You know? For sure. Storm chasers, right? Like, those guys are not like, I'm actually kind of terrified of tornadoes. No, they, they get off on it. Bro, I understand those guys. Oh, see, I should have said see, that's what you chase it. Yeah. Because I... It's all twisted, I've wasn't never it? seen... <laughs> you wanted to see probably. the same cow come around. Yes. <laughs> hey, I've look, never another seen cow. a tornado in person, and everyone talks... Everyone I know that has talks about, like, how frightening they are, and it sounds like a freight train, and I'm... People run from them. I'm like, then I watch those storm chaser guys. I'm like, yes, that's what I want to be. They got I want to go see that. Exactly. <laughs> yes, let's get in a truck and chase that thing. Hell yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, put push the play button back on your story. But I love what you said here. God opened my eyes to it, and I said, hell yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I. That's need, what man. I want to be, dude. And it's like I knew, I knew that I, this. You know, I wanted to be in LA. This is I didn't. All I knew was I was bringing a nonprofit out here. I didn't know what else. I didn't know the rest of the details. Okay. I was going to be doing ministry, I thought, but I wasn't sure about the rest of the details. Once everything started coming together, that was when I was like, all right, so I'm out here for film. I'm going to keep working with these kids. I'm going to learn. We're, I'm just going to enjoy. I'm just going to take the risk of life, right? But right. with everything that had happened, I had kind of put God in a position where it felt like it was his doing. It felt like. He had called me, or he had not called me, but he had brought me out here. Mm-hmm. And not only allowed, it felt like he made some of that stuff happen. Mm. It felt like he guided me through it. The way, okay. the way, the way somebody that loves you will let you make your mistakes. Right? Yeah. Mm. But I also felt pulled out here. I also felt the attraction to LA. So it was like, you should have been looking out for me a little bit more. Now, when I separated this idea of God, wow. I said, when Hold I on, said, pause for a second. Okay, okay. Man, that's such, I think everyone at some point has that moment. If they have a faith, has that moment, there's some, if it's real and it's a true faith, at some point there's a moment where they go, you should have been looking out for me more. Yeah. To God. For sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel alone in that experience at all. Oh, man. I told I told a dear friend wow. about the experience, somebody I knew I could open up with, and when I told her about the street kid experience, her reaction was, "I lost a baby." Dude, you want to oh. you want to slap someone across the face? Like, oh, here's my measly experience, and it was tough. It was. Yeah. I'm not downplaying it. I told you earlier. I think <laughs> yeah. you understand how severe it was. Yeah, yeah. But all of a sudden, I didn't lose a baby. 
Like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for making me feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> self-absorbed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Huh. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay, so you had this moment, like, John out here, you should have been looking out for me more. Yeah. And I began breaking God into, if you come from a Christian background, you know that the Trinity is a, a three-piece entity in one. I began breaking that down and uh, only focusing on the two pieces. Jesus, the two pieces that were relevant to me, Jesus and God, and saying that somehow, in my head, because of everything I had experienced, I could continue to follow Jesus. That meant acting out the way I believe Christ acted on earth. Okay. The way he looked out for the poor. Yeah. He looked out for the needy. Mm-hmm. But he also called them to a higher standard of life. I felt like I could continue to do that while removing myself from God's will, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. So I kind of pushed God back. And you know, you can push something back. That what God is a questionable topic. Whether or not he's there is a huge debate in our society. Right. Yeah. So you can push something back, but if there's no evidence, physical evidence or tangible evidence that you can even touch, yeah. how are you going to push it back, right? Mm. So, so I kept pushing and pushing. Interesting. And yeah. I got to a point where I felt like I couldn't push this thing any further from me. Yeah. So I sat down August 16th. It was 2011. August 16th, 2011. I sat down and I prayed to God and I said, I've been praying to you for nine years now, almost. And I was right around nine years. And I was like, I am done. I'm not, like, as of today, I'm deciding to make the choice not to even voice my thoughts to you. Like, wow. not my concerns, not ask for things, not... Yeah. But I didn't want to voice my Just thoughts Just thoughts at all. You, didn't, you don't need to hear them. Like, they'll stay in my uh, Wow. And I had a close friend who's been in the faith with me for a long time, and I had to t- go out and tell him, like, this is what just happened. <laughs> and, you know, there was a little bit of shock in his face, like, well, what, is, what does that mean for you, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know what it means. I'm just telling you because <laughs> I just told somebody that may or may not exist. <laughs> I told somebody <laughs> that I know exists. <laughs> right? Oh, so, wow. So, uh, you know, I, I sat down with that and it's like, I couldn't tell anybody else. I couldn't tell my family or my friends at the time. They wouldn't understand and it took a few years for me to understand, like, basically where I was sitting was in an agnostic state of Christianity. Yeah. I wanted to continue following the guy that drew me to Christianity, but I wanted to keep the whole God thing separate. Because I couldn't understand will, I couldn't understand mm. pain and, and, and the difference between uh, suffering and pain, right? In the, in the church, there's sometimes these ideas of happiness and joy being right. two separate things and suffering and pain being two separate things, like... We're all going to experience mm, pain. Yeah. Your body's going to start shutting down. Right. But suffering, that's a thing of the, of the spirit. That's something that you should, you should delight in suffering because that means that you're doing the right thing. <laughs> you know? oh, right. God, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, ah, and so, you know, trying to wow. divide these things up, I just didn't know how to process them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I had, I had to, like you would disown somebody, tell them that I wasn't talking to them anymore. Wow. Yeah. You disowned God. Dude, that, I don't say that. That's terrible. <laughs> but yeah, I mean... No, but it's real. It's it like, real. it's... Listen, my personal belief that God is big enough to be disowned. Like, like my personal belief, God, God can take it. Yeah. He's big enough that he can take it. And like, to me, it's like, 
it's just it's uh, like you say you, you compare things like we naturally compare things to parents mm-hmm. how parents treat us like to me I see it similar to a child getting mad at their at their dad or mom for telling them no about the thing that they want and them getting so mad that they say something so hurtful yeah you know, I like I I don't I don't even love you. I disown you. Whatever the whatever that statement is, but that and yeah, it hurts. But that parent is big enough and mature enough and smart enough to know. Yeah, that's what kids do. Yeah, that's what we do. And I think and it's I a, love you anyway. I think it's important to give context there too because I like I was in the middle of my master's from a. Christian college like I was and it wasn't oh, it wasn't that, it wasn't that that was pushing me away it was it was the physical thing because I had I had taken this belief in Jesus and believed that the power of God could po- perform miracles yeah and and the witness of it not happening wasn't just me feeling oh God didn't come through with me on this time it yeah. was he put me in a position to perform it only to watch me get ridiculed you know, mm. uh, yeah, and, and so that's something with our parents that like our parents wouldn't ever want us to be ridiculed, right? But if you keep saying I want this, I want this, I want this, at some point they're like, shut up, go get it then, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then you go right. for it, and you're like it hurt, <laughs> which yeah, it hurt. I told you not to do it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, stick your finger in that light socket. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So what's interesting about that too is. Um, uh, I know the experience for you that kind of brought you this very personal, uh, we're not going to get into that story, but one of the things that you said in telling me what happened, you made the statement that you were, you were expecting a miracle to happen and it didn't happen. Yeah. He he basically... Who who expects a miracle? That's such a dumb shit. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, yeah, you know, the, you know that thing that doesn't happen very often anyways? <laughs> I expect it. <laughs> no, but I th- feel like I like that's part of the essence of faith is like I'm ex- like God, I'm expecting a miracle right. to happen in this right. thing. But conversely, God does not owe you the miracle, right? Yeah, not at all. But we think he does. Like we're t- like it just goes back to what, how you started. The people stepping on people like I'm entitled so they, like we approach God with the I'm entitled to the miracle that you can do, right? And we do it with like good intention. It doesn't always come from like yeah, I'm entitled to win the Powerball when it's one point five million. No, it's sometimes you're doing the right thing, and this is something yeah. you have been talking about all day. Is about this whole, you know, I know it's a part of your your dialogue in general nowadays is changing the world. Yeah, we expect that if we start doing good actions, mm-hmm. we're going to literally change the world, right? Right? What was Gandhi's quote about changing the world? You know, be the change that you want to see. Yeah, it's right. that simple. If you go do it, you're going to change the world that you want to see. Well, sometimes right. that change isn't going to come easy, and mm-hmm. sometimes it may not come within a day or a month or a year or, or a decade or a freaking lifetime. Like it may yeah. not happen. Right. Other times, you may plant something that does come to fruition way down the road, and out yeah. of your lifetime. Yeah. You know. Right. But. But to expect it, to yeah. expect it when you're like, well, I'm putting the work in. Yeah. Well, yeah, so what? <laughs> right. Well, I but I, yeah, I think that's part of the, I think that's part of being a human being. Yeah. That's part of the beauty of humanity is like, we, because otherwise we wouldn't do anything. Right. Right? We wouldn't accomplish anything. So, 
great. So I'm here in LA for a couple of days for this two day, uh, like workshop thing with Rob Bell, a guy named Rob Bell. And so he had a comedian named Pete Holmes Super as part dude. of it. Yeah, Super he's hilarious. Funny. And they were talking about uh, neither one of them will ever hear this podcast. I'm sure. So, uh, but they they were talking about ego because ego is such a such a driver and. Uh, they were talking about their counselor I forget which one it was if it was Pete or Rob they were talking about their counselor like saying no stop stop trying to get rid of your ego because your ego is necessary so think about when you're a kid all the things that you're thrown into like mom and dad it was Pete Holmes yeah it was Pete Holmes Mom and dad, drop, like, wait, you're dropping me off at school for the next eight hours with a bunch of people I don't know, and I'm never gonna, I'm not gonna see you for the next eight hours. Like, your ego is what, ego is what got you through that because ego made you walk in the room and talk to someone. Yeah. Ego created your story for the for the rest of those kids in that room. Ego created so much, and it was like ego was your bodyguard. Is essentially what he said. Yeah. Like that was Pete Holmes saying. Ego is your bodyguard. And this was his counselor. He said, so stop trying to get rid of your ego. Thank your ego for it because your ego protected you. Now, ego out of, like unchecked is where it gets dangerous, exactly. right? All that kind of stuff. But I think this, so I think that applies to here what you're talking about. Like in faith, uh, you know, when it comes to God, yeah, like who are we? Do we expect God to present a miracle to yeah. us? But at the same time, I think that's also the thing that's almost the same thing as God going, okay. Because you came with boldness to expect that thing to happen. Maybe this one time I'm going to do it. Or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll say no. But you came with boldness and I'm going to answer that in some way. And I would say that's, that's the trick of it is I think it's, it's not only is it always being answered. Yeah. I think it's always the answer that you need at that time. Yeah, like at that time, it's not the answer you want necessarily, right. but it's what you need. Yeah, at that time, mm, I don't think I wanted. This to is be... not the answer we de- <laughs> we <laughs> deserve. It's the answer we need right now. <laughs> yes, dude. And then God's just two phases. Flipping oh. <laughs> coins up there. No, uh, <laughs> no, but that was like, my Batman reference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, at at the time, there was there was no part of me that wanted to be torn to shreds. Yeah, the next three years were three of the hardest years of my adult life. Because everything that I had become from my teenage years of losing my friends and becoming this other thing yeah. was now being stripped away in another way, you know? Mm. Um, but it helped me to understand that it actually brought context to everything. It brought everything full circle to understand that uh, whatever um, whatever things I was holding on to, at the end of the day, this isn't about God, it's about me. Yeah. My experience in life. Yeah. God's if got his own experience. <laughs> like he doesn't need my experiences in life. I'm the one that needs my experiences in life. And that moment broke me down to say, What is it that I really believe? Had I like I think every time I had tried to test faith or b- believed in, in my boldness, yeah. God had kind of provided. Yeah. You know, there were times where uh, I have a really weird experience when I was down in Guatemala, we were um uh, we were in a, f- a fair trade farm. We were making a farm fair trade, and there was about thirteen people on the on the trip. 
and um, everyone wanted to take hot showers. We didn't get to take hot showers for a week and a half, and everyone wanted to mm-hmm. take a hot shower. And the guy that runs the the part that goes into the field, uh, not the actual farmers, but like the guy that took us into the farmers, yeah. he um, he said, "Well, there's hot water heaters, but what happens is somebody has to be up there boiling the hot water and then pour it into the tanks." And so, right, we don't want to put that on the farmers to do that. So if one person from this group is willing to do that, and I'm like, I'm looking at everybody wanting to do this, and I'm like, you know what? I'll go up there and get this hot water boiling and pour the boiled water into the tank so everyone can take hot showers. And because I did it, one of the Guatemalans decided to sit with me. Now, he speaks mum, okay, which is an ancient Mayan language. Okay. Uh, And he speaks almost no Spanish. I speak such shitty Spanish. Spanish is not funny. Okay. So I'm sitting up there boiling this water. He shows me what we need to do. I'm boiling the water. I'm pouring it in. I'm boiling the water. I'm pouring it in. And we're just looking at each other. Just like this. Just staring at each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, and all of a sudden he starts talking. And I don't know how to explain it, dude, but I understood him. And so I, wow. just, I just started responding. What? And I, I had a full conversation with him about his two daughters, how his life has been on this farm, where his grandfather came from, all this stuff. And I'm... I'm understanding it like it's English. Mm-hmm. And, wow. And then I stop. And I, I grab the hot water because it's boiled. It's, i got to get it into the thing. I pick it up and I put it in. And I look back down. And it's this Guatemalan dude not speaking English. And and, and then we just, we, we kind of like enjoyed the moment. We yeah. just It was like, a, it was like soul to soul through the eyes. Right. And I don't know how to describe it. You could say I fucking hallucinated <laughs> at the water tanks that day. <laughs> And made up his two daughters and grandfather. But I had an experience that I could only relate to the biblical version of speaking in tongues. Okay. There's there's two types of yeah. speaking in tongues that right. I talked about and one of nonsense and one of being yeah. able to speak through other languages. Yeah. And I don't, I can't tell you that that's what happened. I Because yeah. that's crazy to me. But I can tell sure. you that that experience happened and maybe, it, maybe, maybe I spoke in tongues, maybe I hallucinated the water tank. I'm not sure. Wow. But in that moment... God showed up in a way that I kind of expected, and and it it uh, it entitled me to feel like yeah. He was going to continue to show up. Yeah. I'm going to live such a bold faith that He's going to constantly show up like that. Yeah, right. And then and then in a moment where I feel like I really need Him, He's not there, or He's not giving wow. me what I want at that moment. Yeah. And that's how I should have looked at it: was He's not giving me what I want in this moment. Instead, I look at it as you abandoned me in this time. You've given me these other things and all of a sudden you left me here. Yeah. You called, you brought me out here and then you left me out here. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if like, <laughs> the, end, the end of the, so, biblical terms, right, they were chasing the, uh, chasing the kingdom for 40 years out in the desert. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden God just comes over the loudspeaker. Uh, there's actually no, <laughs> there's actually no place. You're gonna go back to Egypt. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really applaud your faith, though. <laughs> great, great 40-year journey, guys. Oh, Lots of lives lost. Oh, no. All that manna. But uh, good news, you're going to be back in slavery, and uh, it's all good. Like, how do you how do you deal with it? Like, so, that was, that was like, all right, well, I'm... And, and I got to redefine my faith as an adult and understand that at the time, I just I got to say I don't want to have faith right now. Yeah. At at this point in my life, I don't want to have faith. 
Yeah. And then at some point you start to realize like faith isn't something that you want to have. You will either have it or you won't at that point in your life. Somewhere down the road, mm. you may get to have it and you've never had it your whole life. Yeah. You may have always spent your whole life thinking that you didn't need it. And at some point it may come up, you know? Um, I don't I don't know what that means for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I know for me it's it's I've gotten to I've gotten to say that prayer that, hey, I'm turning on the radio again and want to talk to you. Like wow. and, and that's you know, that that night was a, a just as special as that night in August, you know, I, yeah. got to, I got to say like, I want to commune with you again. I want you to be in my life. I want, interesting. I want more of this world. I want it abundantly, dude. Like, yeah. If if I had one thing in my life, I want I want a life abundantly. <laughs> yeah. You know. Right. And uh, and I don't think you can. I don't think you can have it without seeking it, without having some faith in it. Man, that's so good. I'm not even trying to do that whole talk, but. <laughs> <laughs> But just so that people know. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta let them know. No, uh, I mean, like, dude, I'll tell you. Uh, so I was working at a peanut butter store. Yeah. Uh, this past year. Yes. Uh, yes. Start, Please start, talk. Start up peanut butter shop. And Please. I had some, I had some, yes. uh, some restaurant experience. So uh, I got, peanut butter I got shop. thrown into kind of managing a peanut butter shop. <laughs> and, uh, um, well, man, it was time, time out. Dude. I'm, what? I'm, here's here's what I'm gonna say. Number one, number one selling peanut butter. Okay. I'm gonna say this, and then we're gonna let it go. <laughs> Maple bacon peanut butter. Oh man, that's what you told me like a year ago when you said. <laughs> yeah. So when I asked about the peanut that's butter. That's it. Shop. That's all you get to know. Okay. Um, no. So uh, it was a cool little craft peanut butter place. Like, yeah. Like these craft Fago root beers. <laughs> You're gonna get sponsored by Fago now, by the way. <laughs> I take it. I take a Fago sponsorship. I hope, I, hope, I hope Fago has like a cool little ring, like catchy tone, you know, that they can play oh, at the beginning man. of the podcast. I hope so. That would be amazing. We'll write one. I'll we'll play it. Haas. We'll I'll get Haas to write Listen, Haas, is, Haas is great at writing. We got, we know some people. Yeah. We know some creatives that can write some jingles. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So jingle go ahead. Jangle. Jingle jangles. Some jingle jangles. Let's go. Um, so, uh, uh, so you're managing this peanut butter shop. Unfortunately, uh, the business was not as pre-planned <laughs> as it could have been, Okay. and it shut down in October. Okay, and, uh, I was I was you know I'm freelancing. You gave it I'm, a go. Though. I'm I'm working three days a week there. I'm freelancing the rest of my time. Like mm-hmm. on my off days, I'm getting on film sets. Mm-hmm. Well, now all of a sudden, what's my thing? What do I do? Well, I go full time freelance. Like okay, I become a guy who gets paid to do film stuff. You know, right? That that to me meant that I was going to start PA and like stuff that I hadn't done before, lower level stuff that. Like, not that I'm above it, but like I just didn't have a lot of experience in it. Yeah, and I couldn't find anything. I was just, and then I started getting all of a sudden the work started coming in, and that mentality that I had about if you work hard enough, it's going to come. Yeah, that I was applying towards God. Worked hard enough, and it started coming in the industry. Yeah, I started getting more and more work and establishing myself, and in the span of three months, my like my career was boomed, and. It was a risk that I didn't expect to take. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was kind of like living a cush one. I was like working on the jobs I wanted to. Right. But that's because I had a steady peanut, peanut butter, butter on the side. <laughs> <laughs> peanut butter on the side. You know? Oh, whipping, man. Whipping it up. Oh. Um, Amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, here I am now. Like, I'm, I'm booked, dude. Like, I'm getting to the point where I'm booked a month out. Like... Wow, that's that's great. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, you know. So, um, 
Man, we've been talking for an hour already. That's crazy. It does not feel like an hour. It doesn't feel like an hour. And there's so I'm sorry much... that I've talked so much. No, that's why... I, I want, No one wants to hear me talk. They nah, they're all here for you. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> they're, they're here to listen to you. Man, there's... Uh, wow. So much in this. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to do a part two at some point. We're gonna have to do another podcast at some point. But we're coming down in June, so we, we'll book it. Okay, yeah, let's do it. I, we'll book it a few months out. If you guys, if you guys are listening right now, <laughs> I'm sure someone is. June, you're gonna get a. Little yeah, bit, little you'll bit get more. another one. Exactly. Awesome. Yes. So uh, before we, before we, uh, to kind of wind it down. Um, so you went from you. You said, "God, I'm not. I'm done." You don't get my thoughts anymore. Kind of coming out of that a little bit. Life's a little different. But what I... This is... Like, this to me is what... This is why I did this podcast. Because I'm so fascinated by people. I am... I have... I was telling you earlier. I realized I have all these friends that hate humanity. Like, they just... They hate people. Uh, they're insociable. And... Understandably so. Some people mm-hmm. are like that. And the world's but, a cruel place. But I, right, it is, it, yeah. And but I'm completely opposite. Like I'm the guy that, uh, you know, some random person says hello to me, and I like I'll end up in a 30 minute conversation with them because I'm so fascinated by their story. Uh, so this kind of what this podcast is for me because I think every just like you said, stepping on, pushing people back so they don't step on that person if that person doing the stepping knew the story of the person they were about to step on there'd probably be a different exchange there because yeah. everybody has a story right everyone in some way has a story and so um, if we know those stories our perspective our prism I guess is a little different mm. and then how we how we act or how we treat them. even the guy even the, like I said earlier even the guy at the Starbucks counter who is treating the barista like shit. <laughs> that guy has a story, and man, that guy is a jerk, but I want to hear his story. How did you become the jerk that you are? Because something, there's a story there, and I want to know what it is. Um, but I think if we all know stories, stories are inspiring, like real stories, everyday stories. Like, you're not famous. No. I'm not famous. Um, but famous stories are almost stories we don't identify with. I'm gonna I'm gonna upset DJ if he ever listens to this. That to me is why Batman is better than Superman. Because strip away, I get it. Bruce Wayne's billionaire. Strip that away though, he's a human being. Everyone can identify with that human struggle that he has. We can't identify with Superman who does not know the human struggle. I'm gonna rebuttal for the, for the sake of DJ. Nah, say that, don't even do it. Say that, like, just leave it. Clark Kent. <laughs> Clark, Clark Kent is the human struggle that Superman has to deal with. He's constantly overlooked, dude. That's the that's yeah, the but that's on purpose. I get it because he doesn't want to be seen. Right? But you don't think he wants to be seen by Lois? Come on. That's all I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not the comic guy to handle it. I'm just throwing right, it right, out. Yeah. There. I'm just. That guy. I'm, I'm just playing Glenn Beck. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Glenn so that's going to be your second sponsor, bro. Oh jeez. Yeah. After that comment, I'm sure. Um, so, uh, but anyway, like you know, human stories what we identify with. We we yeah. love them and they give us. And so my goal with this podcast is that people would hear the stories and hear your story and go, here's a guy that he left Tampa, moved across the country to L.A. to step into an industry that is a killer. 
And he did it anyway. And he had a passion. And he took that bold step. He took his hits. Um, he did it in his faith. So maybe I can do it. And so I always ask people, I always ask the guests kind of near the end, do you think that everyone has the, has the capacity to boldly go? I think it goes back to my roller coaster analogy, man. Like, you're going to talk to a lot of people in Tampa because that's where yeah. a good portion of your friends are right now. Yeah. Your people. Um, not just friends, but your, you know, your creative acquaintances, that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, right. Um, and I can tell you, I went across the country. I didn't go across the globe. Mm-hmm. I could be taking bigger risks right now. Sure. Um, I think that's the thing is like we're all taking the biggest risk that we can take at that time. Mm, and yeah. I can tell you that like you may think that you're taking the biggest risk you're taking right now. Yeah. But you should write down your dreams, look at them for a second, and say, "Is this small step going to be what takes me there?" You know, like uh, I, so I know good. people. I know I. You know, I have a friend who recently has left the country for what she wanted to do. Yeah. And I haven't gotten to talk to her too much about it, but I'm pretty sure that is trying and fucking chewing it up, chewing her up it is. Yeah. Like, as much as it's just beating the shit out of her, I'm pretty sure it's what she feels like she needs to be doing. And yeah. And you'll know if... Is that the friend that I think you're talking yeah. about? No. Okay. <laughs> it could be, but I don't know. But, uh, Who are you talking about? <laughs> we're not saying names. <laughs> okay. Um but if it's who I think it is, she commented on our photo. Did she? Yes. Um, I don't think so then, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about it after. Yeah. This. yeah okay. Shh. Off <laughs> don't want to let these guys know. Right. <laughs> um, no, but uh, you know, I think I want to know because I want to have her on the podcast and find out. That's <laughs> there you why. go. Um, I think. Uh, I think you'll know. Not the moment before you take the risk. Yeah. If it's worth it. Mm-hmm. But the moment that you've received the first punch, mm. when you get that first that first knockout punch, that's going to be the day that you know, like, yeah, I'm doing it for the right reasons. I'm in this. Man. I'm going to keep going because we've all been knocked that's out. That's gold, kid. You keep dropping. You keep dropping gold on me, bro. I'm just I'm just saying the way it is. <laughs> You'll know if the risk is worth it when you take your first punch. Yeah. Ah, uh, man. Please, let's do a speaking tour. No one will come because no one knows who we are. But we should do that. It's just these one-liners. It'll be super meta. We're just just motivating ourselves. We're so jacked up on ourselves. Oh, man. It's not about ego. Dude, we are killing it. (laughs) We are brilliant. Oh, man. I had to write that down. You'll know if the if the, the risk is worth it when you take your first punch. Ah, man. That's so good. Wow. That's amazing. That's so true. Yeah. That is the essence of Because until then, you're just, going. you're just trying. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're just, you're throwing punches, but until you felt the first one, you didn't know yeah. what you were punching at. Man, now I want to go watch that movie Creed again. It's pretty good. It is a good, it's one, a good one. It's a great movie. Ah. Uh, you know, oh, dude, and actually, actually uh, Creed is a great reference for this, too. One of my favorite moments in that movie, and this isn't a spoiler. I mean, I'm going to tell you something, but yeah, it's, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not a spoiling moment. Yeah. It's spoiling. Rocky, I don't care. I've you've seen got, it. You've got Rocky in the background coaching this kid. Right. And he tells him, before you get into the ring, and he's looking in a mirror, and he points to the mirror, he says, mm-hmm. the toughest your opponent, your toughest opponent you're going to face is that guy right there. And I'll tell you, it's not about whether or not you're good enough. It's about whether or not you're ready to fight for it. And I think that's what he's telling me in that moment. 
is he's looking at him saying, look at yourself, and you decide by looking in this mirror whether or not you're going to move to Los Angeles from Tampa. Whether or not you're going to be the guy that runs for a city council. <laughs> you know, like, I don't right. care what it is. Yeah. Whether or not, whether or not you're going to be the guy that stops and takes a bum out on the street out for a McDonald's meal. Man. Like, dude, yeah. do that. Live yeah. those moments. Yeah. Sit at a bus stop. If you've never ridden public transportation, do it during the day because it's safer, but <laughs> maybe with mace, I don't know. But, but, but like, yeah. depending on your size. If you're if you're over 200 pounds, you don't need mace. <laughs> no one's picking you up. Okay. I'm right. over 200 pounds. No one's picking me up. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, you know, go and have these experiences, dude. Sit yeah. down. And that, those, that that's life. You're missing out on life if you're not sitting there hearing someone else's story. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Can I tell you one of my favorite parts of Creed? Please. I think I don't think this is a spoiler, but I don't care. Spoilers, <laughs> if you haven't seen it. Um, when he gets so in that in the fight at the big fight, and he gets knocked down, and he's seeing all these flashbacks, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, essentially, he's knocked out. Like the it, you know he's out cold. Basically, the the, the referee's counting him out. You know. And when he jumps, so when he wakes up, he comes back and like he jumps up. One of my favorite, one of my fa- my favorite part of all that is not the fact that he jumped up, but it's what the it's what the announcer, who's announcing the fight, says when he jumps up. Like when he gets, I don't up. remember because the way he wakes up, like you know, like it's not the typical like oh I'm right, groggy. Right, right. Like he, it's like pops, a cult. He, like yeah. he pops up off the mat, and the the announcer says, "Whoa, he just got up like a man possessed." And I'm like, oh, that's so good. He took the punch and he popped, he popped up like a man possessed. Yeah. Like he came out of it and all that. And like sometimes like that boldly, boldly going, like you get punched, like your response might be like a man possessed. Like, I mean, cause it's crazy, right? It's crazy to take the risk. It's crazy to look fear in the face and to take that step and to potentially take the punch. Yeah. It's almost, it's almost nuts. So, um, yeah. Get up off the mat like a man possessed. I love it. So, um, anyway, man, we gotta we gotta close it down. So we'll do a part two later on because I want to talk more about uh, what you want to do with Street Kids and yeah. uh, the documentary. Yeah, I mean, there's a documentary stuff that you're working stuff with it. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's it'll keep coming up. And yeah, I want to talk more about that. And uh, on when you come back, I want to talk about Love Sprout and where like. No one knows what that is. No. This listening right now, or a few people will know what yeah. it is because they'll remember. But um, I love the story behind Love Sprout and why this thing that you're doing that you that you want to do documentary style. Why you're calling it Love Sprout, yeah. or why you've called it Love Sprout right. up to this point. Right. Um, fascinating. So um, I was like, so thanks for being on the podcast, dude. You're amazing. Dude, thanks for having me. You're brilliant. You're so. You're so much smarter than the rest of us. No, I'm just looking um, at the world. I'm just looking, dude. That's all I'm telling you. It's not about... This isn't about intellect. It's about looking. No, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the that's what I mean. That's the smart thing. Real quick, anything that you want to promote or for, um, of yourself? Any, you're doing anything? You have a film out that you want people to go look do, at? We do, but it's not... Like it's It hasn't screened yet. Once it screens, then we can start showing it mm. around a little bit. But, okay, uh, all right. Right now... So that'll be part two. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to hold off. So okay, so right now, people, how can people follow you? See what you're doing. Uh, you can see me on Twitter and Instagram at 3D Alchemist. 3D Alchemist, awesome. Um, so I always like to end the podcast with a question. 
Ooh. Uh, yeah, that I pose to the people listening. And that question is, what can you do right now, today, tomorrow? What can you do immediately to boldly go, to take that step? To take the, It doesn't have to be accomplish my dream tomorrow, but what can you do to boldly go take a step towards that passion, towards that dream, uh, towards um, making the world a better place in a small way, making your life better, making your community better. Um, maybe you want to write a book or you want to do art. What is this? What is? What can you do immediately to boldly go and take that step? So um, think about that this week, and uh, see you next time on another podcast. Ken, you're the man. Thanks for having me, bud. Just hanging out in dugouts. Hanging out in dugouts, dude. Man. So good. All right. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everybody. Everybody's done. <laughs> <laughs>